As President Biden's mishandling of classified documents scandal deepens, a new theory has emerged out of the Blue Anon movement on the left. The theory is that the documents were planted in Biden's office and home by conservatives. Here is the prominent modern political philosopher of the left, Joy Behar, proposing the theory. You know what I think? I've never Trump. seen a, a luckier person than Donald Trump. Just as we're this close well, to getting him, but you somehow know these but it, documents you know appear. But here's the thing. Biden is wrong to have done this. He, he was an office. Well, Democrat Congressman Hank Johnson, who is most famous for suggesting that if more people move to Guam, the island might capsize. Uh, Hank Johnson has expounded on this theory. He said, quote, my response to it all is that the alleged classified documents showing up allegedly in the possession of Joe Biden, you know, I mean, there's so much that needs to be investigated. And that's, that's what I called for, is for everything to be investigated. But I'm suspicious of the timing of it. I'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people. Places and things can be planted. Things can be planted in places and then discovered conveniently. That may be what has occurred. I'm not ruling that out, but I don't. I'm open in terms of the investigation needs to be investigated. Pithy. These libs might want to be careful what they wish for, because it now appears that the Biden documents will be investigated. And assuming that no secret Republican mole turns up in Joe Biden's garage, I don't think the libs are going to like what the investigation turns up. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Larry, who says, I now text a Ukraine emoji flag when I need to borrow money from someone. That's, that's a novel way to do it. In terms of all of the excuses that people come up with when they need to borrow money, that's a, a great way to ask for the money and to signal your virtue. Another great way to save money, you got to switch to Pure Talk. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com, use promo code Knowles. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies that share your beliefs and what you hold dear, then check out Pure Talk. Pure Talk is the antidote to woke wireless companies. It is proudly veteran-owned, employs a U.S.-based customer service team, and absolutely refuses to spend money on fake news networks. Not to mention, Pure Talk service is fantastic. They are one of the largest networks in the country. You get blazing fast data talk and text for as little as $30 a month. That is probably half of what you're paying Verizon, ATT, or T-Mobile right now, maybe less. Switch over to Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes, super easy. Keep your phone, keep your phone number. Your first month is guaranteed risk-free. Try it if you're not completely happy with the service, you get your money back. This year, make it a goal to support companies that support you. Head on over to puretalk.com, enter promo code Knowleskin or WLES, save 50% off your first month. That is puretalk.com, promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. These documents just keep popping up. <laughs> Poor Joe Biden. A whole lot of accidents going on. Uh, Joe Biden has finally uh, responded to classified documents that were found from his time as vice president. He said that they were locked in a garage by his Corvette. Now, these are different documents than the ones that were locked in his office at the fake think tank. These were at his home. How did they get there? That's kind of weird, but don't worry. It's right, right near the Corvette. No one's going to go near those. Richard Sauber, who is special counsel to the president, said in a statement that, quote, all but one of these documents were found in 
storage space in the president's Wilmington residence garage. Lots of accidents here. Whoopsie daisy. How many more documents are going to turn up? I don't know. But what I do know is that Joe Biden's current defense in this scandal is pretty weak. I I think that Joe Biden could make this scandal go away right now by saying, oh, the documents are unclassified. He could do that because, as I said, when the libs were trying to blow up the Trump document scandal at Mar-a-Lago, I pointed out that the president of the United States has the right, has the authority to declassify whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. He does not need to submit himself to a formal process to do that. There, there is no middle manager bureaucrat guy who, to, to whom the president must write a letter requesting to declassify documents. The president's the top of the food chain when it comes to the executive branch. And so if the president did have to submit himself to some career bureaucrat in whatever agency you, you want, uh, that, that would be a strange perversion of the way that the government is supposed to work. So I said it when they were going after Trump for this stuff. I'll say it now that we're going after Biden for this stuff. Joe Biden could end this now and say, okay, they're declassified. But he, he won't do that. He won't do that because that would completely undermine the argument that the libs have been making about Donald Trump for months now as they try to justify the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago on Joe Biden's watch. So now he's in this really tough position because the, the avenue that he has before him to make all of this go away, he has closed off to himself because he still wants to keep attacking his political enemy and for now his chief rival, Donald Trump. So the excuse that he has right now is this was inadvertent. Joe Biden just didn't know. I think it's a weak excuse because whether he knew or whether he didn't, he mishandled the documents. Apparently a lot of documents, apparently in multiple places. Now what Joe Biden has done is even if you're just trying to compare the acts themselves, much worse than what Donald Trump did. Trump did did it as president. He took the documents as president. Joe Biden only took the documents as vice president when he had no right to declassify the documents. But but also, Trump just kept all those docs in some closet at Mar-a-Lago. Biden, now we're looking at multiple places. He said it was inadvertent. But Jonathan Turley, who is a very famous law professor and commentator on these matters, he pointed out that this defense actually might work against him. He said, if Biden worked off any of these documents for his book, which dealt with some of the underlying subjects, apparently, in the documents, the inadvertent defense is not only shattered, but could be viewed as an effort to deceive the public. And this is, this is the tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. You know this, if you've ever told a lie, everybody's told a lie at some point, you tell a lie, and then what's, what's really annoying about the lie is not only that it, it damages your soul to do even that, but then you got to keep up with the lie. And then you got to remember who you told which lie to and who knows what and who thinks this. And then you've got to keep the lie going. And Joe Biden is the most prominent habitual liar in the United States. George Santos, that Republican from Long Island, might unseat him from that crown because George Santos lied about his education background, his professional background, and possibly his sexual desires. But put a pause in that for right now. Joe Biden has been doing it a lot longer. He had to drop out of the 1988 presidential race for lying. The guy's a liar, and now it's catching up with him. And 
what liars think is, okay, I'm in this jam right now. Well, I'll just tell a lie and that'll get me, that will get me out of the jam. But as Turley points out, Biden's lies on this subject could get him in more trouble. So the, the, the options before him are keep up the lie, potentially get himself in actual legal trouble because the president of the United States can't mishandle classified documents by definition, but he can perjure himself. He can obstruct an investigation. He can do lots of other things that he may or may not be doing right now. That's one avenue available to him. Or the other is admit that the Trump nonsense about the classified documents was precisely that. It was all just an empty political attack and move on. And right now the Democrats can't let go. They hate Trump so much. They are willing to put themselves in a very dicey political and legal position to do it. So what's, what's going to happen to Biden? Well, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, is appointing a special counsel. I'm here today to announce the appointment of Robert Herr as a special counsel pursuant to Department of Justice regulations governing such matters. In keeping with those regulations, I have today notified the designated members of each House of Congress of the appointment. On the evening of November 4th, 2022, the National Archives Office of Inspector General contacted a prosecutor at the Department of Justice. It informed him that the White House had notified the archives that documents bearing classification markings were identified at the office of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, located in Washington, D.C. That office was not authorized for storage of classified documents. The prosecutor was also advised that those documents had been secured in an archives facility. On November 9th, the FBI commenced an assessment consistent with standard protocols to understand whether classified information had been mishandled in violation of federal law. Wait a second. Is Merrick Garland principled now? Is Merrick Garland a conservative now? Is Merrick Garland willing to go after his own side and, and execute justice blindly? I don't really believe that. I'm, I'm encouraged to see what he's done right now. Garland has appointed this U.S. attorney, former U.S. attorney, Robert Herr, who does not appear to be some big lib lawyer. He actually appears to be a Republican, and he actually appears to be a conservative, not just a squish Republican, but this guy served in the Trump administration. He served as special counsel in uh, the investigation after the U.S. attorney for Northern District of Illinois, John Lausch, uh, recommended uh, to Garland that that happen. Uh, He uh, clerked for the former Supreme Court Chief Justice, William Rehnquist, who was extremely conservative. So this is actually pretty good. I'm always looking for what's the angle here? Is this guy a secret squish? You remember when when the DOJ appointed Robert Mueller to go after Trump? They said, well, he's a Republican, but Robert Mueller is a total swamp creature kind of establishment, squishy Republican. He's not a conservative Republican. Can't imagine he liked Trump all that much. Why is this happening? The only angle I can see on it is this appointment reflects Joe Biden's relative weakness in the Democrat Party. And that is really bad news for Joe, and it's really good news for all the rest of us. Now, Joe Biden is coming to the end of his term in office. I hope that will be the the end of his whole political career. You and I are all going to come to our end at some point one day. That's why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, head on over to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. It can be tough to stick to your New Year's resolution. You set out with lofty goals stick to them for two weeks, and then fall right back into your old habits. Lucky for you, I've got a goal you can accomplish today. 
Complete your will with Epic Will. For just $119 and in as little as five minutes, Epic Will can help you create your last will and testament, living will, and even healthcare power of attorney. Their step-by-step online form makes it incredibly easy. All you need to do is fill in the blanks. Very important to have a will. I know everybody puts it off. Don't. Life comes at you fast, man. Death comes like a thief in the night. Okay, make sure that you know where your stuff is going, and especially if you have kids, what's going to happen to your kids? 50% of Americans don't have a will. Choose today to be in the smarter half. Go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. Epicwill.com. Promo code K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Because you will die. I'm promising you, you will die. No one here gets out alive. And so make sure that you are prepared. Epicwill.com. Promo code Knowles. A.G. Merrick Garland appointing a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden over the classified documents represents, I think, Biden's weakness in the party. I also think even if Biden were very strong in the Democrat party right now, Garland probably would have had to do this, not because the issue is all that big a deal, but because the Democrats were just making such a huge hullabaloo about Trump doing a lesser version of the same alleged crime. So they had to do it. It would have looked so transparently corrupt had had Garland not done this. I think Garland recognizes the House GOP just took control of the of the lower house of Congress. And so he doesn't want to get hauled before congressional committees and chewed out by the Republicans who are now running those committees. So there are a lot of political reasons why he had to do it. But also, if Joe Biden were dominating the Democrat party right now, this would not have happened. You, you think about how Trump found himself in a similar situation with special counsel. The reason for that is Trump did not have a total control over the Republican party. He obviously won the nomination in 2016. He won the presidency in 2016, but he won the people over, I think, in 2016. But the party apparatus still hated that guy's guts. The never Trump part of the party, but also just the old kind of swamp creatures. Trump came in like a bull in a china shop. They did not like him. And so that part of the GOP consistently tried to undermine Donald Trump. What we're seeing right now is that Joe Biden is just not that popular with Democrats. Democrats don't think that the guy can win in 2024. And so if you're looking right now, and and Joe Biden is just not making good excuses for these classified documents. They come at a terrible time for him. To give Joy Behar her due, she's right. The timing just looks absolutely awful. And so if you're a Democrat and you're making a bet, do I defend Biden here or do I throw him to the wolves? Probably you're going to be more inclined to throw him to the wolves. Okay, Biden's past his expiration date. Time to move on from this guy. Speaking of Moving on, speaking of becoming disillusioned, disenchanted with things we once loved at the political level, only 16% of Gen Zers love America. This, according to a new Morning Consult survey released this week, shows that when asked about how they view living in their country, Gen Z adults had extremely low opinions of the United States. While 52% of all U.S. adults said they were proud to live in America. Only 16% of Gen Z agreed. Compare this with the boomers. Almost three out of every four boomers say that they love America, proud to live in America. Uh, More than half of Gen Xers, 54% say they love America. Even the millennials who basically hate America say that they're proud of their country, love their country. And then just one in six, less than one in six Zoomers say that they love their country. I am not surprised at all. 
Not merely because the youths these days, those youths, they don't know how good they got it. When I was a kid, you know, I trudged uphill both ways in the snow and the sleet and the fire and the brimstone. These kids, they're so soft. They don't know. It's not just that. The reason that I'm not surprised at all that Gen Z doesn't love their country is that nobody is really defending the country as a country. We know that the libs hate America. We know that the libs say that America is an evil, racist, sexist, thisist, thatist, phobic place that's always been oppressive and terrible to all sorts of people. And we've got to topple the statues of our forebears and we should shred the constitution and we should start over because of how terrible this place is. So there you go, right off basically half of Gen Z right there. That's the way that the libs are educated today. That wasn't exactly true for the boomers. The boomers uh, became disaffected with America and disillusioned, but they weren't educated that way. They were educated to love their country. And then you're seeing declining national love and national pride after that. But okay, right off at least half of the Zoomers, all those libs. Even the conservatives, I think, are educated today not to love their country. I think that over the last 30, 40 years, the way that even the young conservatives have been raised is to think not what can I do for my country, but what can my country do for me? They've been raised to believe that at the heart of politics is the individual. That's what politics is really about. And the government, the nation, such as it is, only exists so that I can get more stuff. The whole point of the government, the reason those founding fathers and framers of the Constitution went through all that trouble was just to set up a system where the government doesn't mean anything and the nation has no unified purpose and there's no such thing as the common good. That's commie talk if you ask me. And the whole reason the thing exists is just to get people to leave me alone and get off my lawn and let me keep my money. That's what government's for. That's what the, the, the polity representing the whole nation is for. Just about me getting more stuff. I'm barely exaggerating. So, okay, you got the libs naturally hate their country and they want to erase the borders and erase any sense of natural inheritance or identity. But you got the conservatives basically neglecting national identity and being raised in a fanatically small government, borderline anarchistic kind of uh, ideology that even if it is not put in practice, does go into the minds of the young people who have been raised in it. And so ideas like the common good, ideas like a, a shared national purpose, ideas like the republic. Republic comes from race publica, stuff we hold in common, things we have in common. The, uh, ideas like the sumum bonum. This was an idea that before the Enlightenment, before the modern lib philosophers came around, people understood that, that politics is, existed in part, at least, to pursue good and avoid evil. That was what it was about. And then after the Enlightenment, you have this big shift to a view of the polity as just a, a big social contract where the main thing that the government is supposed to do is get everyone to leave everybody else alone. And we have no shared pursuit of the common good. We can't even really identify what the common good is. All we can identify is the common bad. This is what Thomas Hobbes writes about in Leviathan. And you see shades of this throughout all of the liberal writers who come afterward. We don't, who knows what's good? You know, what you say is good, maybe I don't think is good. But we do know what's bad. And what's bad is when you take my property. And so as a result of that, we've got to just have a government that protects certain basically material rights 
And then all that virtue stuff that goes out the window. Okay, well, if you're going to throw all that virtue stuff out the window, people aren't going to love their country. (laughs) If you're going to throw out the notion that there is anything lovable about the country as a country, then people aren't going to love it. It's not the Zoomers' fault. I hate to defend the Zoomers, but it's not their fault. But it is an embarrassment, and we've got to fix it. Now, speaking of national embarrassments, George Santos. George Santos, the Republican congressman who claimed to be Jewish, though his defense was he never claimed to be Jewish. He claimed to be Catholic, but he said he had Jewish ancestry, which meant he was Jewish, which is a funny line. People are pretending to be offended by it, but it's a very, very funny line. And if it were just that, you might say, okay, he said he had a Jewish great grandpa or something somewhere. Maybe, maybe he did. Maybe that's in the family tree. Maybe there was a Jewish milkman walking around Brazil or wherever the Santoses are from. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it could be. But then more lies kept coming up. He lied about his education. He said that he went to NYU. He he said he went to Baruch College. He said he went to Horace Mann before college. Uh, None of that seems to be true. He said he worked for Goldman Sachs. That doesn't seem to be true. He, He said he's a gay guy, but until two weeks before his first congressional run in 2020, he was married to a woman. So now we don't believe this guy. And there's pressure on Kevin McCarthy to boot him out of Congress. Kevin McCarthy, now Speaker of the House, says he will continue to serve. George Santos says, I'm not resigning. And Kevin McCarthy says, I'm not going to make him resign. And, And why? How does Kevin McCarthy justify keeping George Santos in the House of Representatives? He told reporters, yeah, okay, he's lied. So have a lot of people here in the Senate and others. Now, Kevin McCarthy, he's not the leader in the Senate. George Santos is not in the Senate. Why does he say that? He is obviously referring to Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, George Santos seems to have made up a ton of stuff about his biography. Has he claimed to be a Native American? Has he advanced his career by being the whitest woman to ever walk the earth and pretending to be Pocahontas? No, I don't think so. Has he, did he lie about his academic record? Yeah. Oh, I guess he can be president now. <laughs> okay. Kevin McCarthy said, hold on, the bar, the bar now to be kicked out of Congress is you embellish your back, you lie about your background, you embellish your resume. Oh, okay. I guess we got to kick out everybody in Congress then. And specifically the Democrats who have done this brazenly in recent years. And I got to say, I totally agree with Kevin McCarthy here. I wouldn't trust George Santos for anything. I wouldn't trust him to get me a cup of coffee but I wouldn't tell him to resign. We've got a razor thin House majority right now. And the Democrats never resign when they get caught in these embarrassments. Tell you what, we'll make a deal. Once Elizabeth Warren resigns for pretending to be sitting bull, then George Santos can resign for lying about all of his background. Okay. And if that doesn't happen, then Congressman Santos, I hope you do a great job voting for good conservative principles and allowing the Republicans to keep their majority. You know, today, is the anniversary of one of the greatest moments in Daily Wire's history. After months of leading the legal battle against the federal government and a national do not comply campaign, the Supreme Court blocked the Biden administration's outrageous vaccine mandate. This mandate would have set a dangerous precedent, giving the unelected OSHA organization power over the personal medical decisions of American citizens. The Supreme Court recognized this gross power grab and made the right decision. And we are so so happy to have led the charge in this fight, but we could not have done that without you. Thousands of you joined the Daily Wire and over a million Americans signed our petition against the mandates. 
To celebrate, we are offering 40% off our annual memberships with the code do not comply. This was a really big deal because when this mandate came down, it's very easy to say, well, we're not, we're not going to go along with it. They can't make us. I'm going to need Fauci to show up here himself and stick that thing in my arm. Except the alternative, had we not won in the Supreme Court, would have been they just shut down the company. So we could talk a good game, but if the court had upheld that vaccine mandate, then what would have happened was OSHA would have come in, especially to the Daily Wire, which is a big political target, and they would have said, oh, you're not making your employees take the Fauci ouchie. Okay, we're going to charge you thousands and thousands of dollars every single day for every single employee who's not doing it. You would have had hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a day, certainly within a week, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It would have added up, I think within two weeks, they would have bankrupted the company. And that's that. So we fought back and we fought back because you allowed us to fight back. So today we celebrate. Get 40% off your annual membership, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join the winning team as we continue to crush the left. Do not comply. 40% off is the code. Do not comply. Speaking of gay stuff, a Penn State sociology professor has encouraged his students to watch gay porn. He's not just encouraged his gay students, gay identifying, LGBT identifying students to watch LGBT porn. He's encouraging all of his students to do that. What's the argument? This is uh, from Sociology 119. Professor Sam Richards says that that even straight people, and especially straight people, should watch gay porn because they might be aroused by it. He says, if you're straight, watch gay or lesbian porn. See how quickly you feel aroused and how you can't control that. You'll realize, oh, expletive, I could be sexualized by people who are like me. Went on to say, we are all at some level non-binary. We're all very much easily bisexual. Uh, it's, it's not clear what he's pointing to in terms of the research that would lead him to this conclusion. There was a study uh, conducted by Cornell in 2015 showed, or claimed at least, that both men and women were aroused when they watched porn of the same sex. And they said that this is evidence that everybody's gay or something. Everybody's bisexual. You know that thing that totally exists? Bisexual. Yeah. They said that, that uh, everybody was that. And the professor said, I might have hit a nerve there. Did I hit a nerve? Watch gay porn, he said. See if you feel that feeling. If you feel that feeling, look in a mirror. Say, huh, maybe I'm just feeling some things that I'm just afraid to release. And maybe you release that, and maybe you'd be surprised that maybe you actually are fine being more bisexual. And he said, he says, I have friends who have spent a long time in prison. I'm sure he has. I think that's the only thing he said so far that's true. I have friends that spent a long time in prison, and they have homosexual sex. They're straight until they're in prison, and then they do that. So especially on the prison point, I think what he's observing is true enough. He's saying, yeah, you throw a bunch of guys in prison, and there's not a woman in sight, and they're all a little bit deviant to begin with. They're criminals, and they're all they're doing all day long is working out, and they've got testosterone pumping through them, and they've got all these kind of social hierarchies, and the ordinary order of society goes completely insane, and surprise, surprise, you get some eccentric sexual acts going on. Yeah, that's true. That does happen in porn. That's a punchline, or that does happen in prison, rather. It's a punchline when people go to prison. You say, oh, don't drop the soap. But how does this relate to porn? saying, if you turn on a, a gay porno, you might feel aroused. 
regardless of a stu- if of whether or not a student does feel aroused watching that kind of pornography this is what grooming is when when conservatives talk about grooming this is what we're talking about we're not just talking about some drag queen weirdo leading a 5 year old off into the woods by the hands we're talking about this kind of stuff what is grooming grooming is when you cultivate sexual desire in somebody else it's not just that you go in and violently take that person. It's when you are cultivating that desire. The professor is saying, hey, you're a straight guy. You don't think about doing gay stuff. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should actually engage in an activity that is designed not merely to satisfy sexual desires, but to cultivate them. Because that's what pornography does. That's what the indulgence of all lust does. This is why when you hear people talk about pornography addiction and the perils of the industry, and even the way that the industry makes money. The way it makes money is on the basis that pornography does not satiate lust. It inflames lust. It encourages lust. And it leads people down really weird alleyways. People who have have become to identify as transgender and then they leave transgenderism. Lots and lots of them. I I would be comfortable saying the vast majority of them that I have heard or read of say that porn was involved in some way. I said, I started off watching kind of normal-ish porn, and then I started watching weirder and weirder porn, and then eventually I started watching porn that told me that I'm a, a woman. So it's cultivating that desire. What does this professor even think that bisexual means? If you're a guy, and you never think about doing weird stuff with guys, and you never engage in weird stuff with guys, and you're perfectly attracted to women, and that's what's going on throughout your whole life, and then this professor sits you down in a chair and plays a bunch of gay porn for you, and then at the end of whatever time period, let's say at the end of six months of this, you start to have more disordered sexual visions and desires. That means you're bisexual? No, it means that guy made you bisexual. (laughs) It means that guy encouraged the, the desires in you because he's making a normative statement. He's saying that is good. It's good to be gay. It's good to be bisexual. It's good, and it's bad not to be. So it's not just it's okay to be gay. It's not just not that there's anything wrong with that, which was the kind of 1990s laissez-faire attitude to these sexual questions. It's a claim that is that it is actively good to pursue disordered sexual desires. And and why are people claiming this? It's not just because they're sexual deviants like this professor. It it follows naturally from the liberationist theology that has told us in increasingly absurd ways for the last several centuries that we need to free our true selves, not merely from the oppressive shackles of tyrannical governments, but from convention, from morality, from our families, from our physical bodies, from our religions, certainly, but even from our bodies, because my true self is not my body. I've got it. That's the argument that people are making. And it's a false one. I mean, it's, it's whatever this professor has to say about the psychological effects of porn. He probably knows a thing or two about it because I'm sure he's watched a lot of it. He doesn't know anything about ethics, morality. He doesn't seem to know very much about anthropology. doesn't seem to know very much about theology. And and he is is smuggling in all of those theological, philosophical, anthropological premises in this preposterous sort of class. Now, back to Congress for a second. 
The House GOP has just passed a great bill where amid the, the moral confusion of our whole culture right now, the House GOP has come in and, and said, no, we are going to say that there's a difference between good and bad, true and false, friend and enemy, and we're going to operate on that basis. It involves energy, really important energy issues. We'll, we'll get to more of that. Unfortunately, we can't get to it right now. We'll have to wait to get to that next week. And we'll have to get to the other important energy issue, which is the libs are coming for your gas stoves. We'll also have to wait to get to that. Do you know why? Because I want to get to the mailbag. The mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get 50% off your first month. Take it away with the voicemail bag. Hey, Michael, love the show. Uh, today, I'm coming to you with a grave moral quandary. Uh, back when in the summer when the yes or no game first got put on the Daily Wire website, I pre-ordered it. Didn't uh, deliver until a week or so before Christmas, but that's okay. But because of that, my wife did not know I had got a copy and ordered me one and put it under our Christmas tree as a gift. Um, when we realized what had happened, I, I realized I had committed a grave moral sin. Uh, I, I have stolen a second copy of the Yes or No game and kept a creme de la creme member of the Michael Knowles show uh, without a, a, a Yes or No game. Uh, how, how can I, how can I remedy this situation? Should I send it back? Should I give it to a, a family member? Um, can I trade it in for a couple copies of controlling words, controlling minds to give to my family? Uh, what, what thoughts do you have on this? And, and am I banned from the show for this moral atrocity? Uh, thanks a bunch and keep up the good work. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. I appreciate that. It, it, you're not banned from the show, but this is a grave problem because lots and lots of people want the yes or no game. It's sold out in a flash. The Daily Wire has ordered more copies or is in the process of getting more copies of the yes or no game, the greatest new game to hit the market in decades, if not centuries. And they're already selling out very, very quickly. So if you do want to pre-order, head on over to the Daily Wire Plus merch shop and pre-order it right now because they will sell out. But what can you do now? You have accidentally ordered two copies. You have deprived an inner circle creme de la creme all access member of the game of their heart's desire. What I would recommend you do is buy a third copy. Because if you, as you suggest, give the second copy away to say your mother, well, what's your father going to say? What's your, your father's going to say, where's my copy? So you're going to want to give an additional one to him. Maybe if you really want to remedy it, I would order four or five copies of the game. Now I would, I would just drop them off at your friends and family's homes, your conservative friends, your liberal friends, maybe especially. That would be a good way to get started. Next question. Hey, Michael, it's me again, Nick. Uh, first off, I just want to let you know your advice regarding my friend and well, letting her drive was very doubtful and it's been dealt with. I got a new question for you that, oh gosh, it's a bit sensitive. Um, I'm going to level with you. I have a younger sister who I often try and keep on the DL due to all the Chad level kings that I hang out with and how many of them take a pass at her. My sister and I, we have 
a good brother-sister relationship in the past, and I've managed to keep her under the radar until recently. Last year, she started posting more on Instagram and went from posting workout photos to swimsuit photos, and now those turned into thirst trap, which have grown a profile to thought level. Oh, gosh. My question is, when does posting on Insta turn to OnlyFans light? I mean, when do I cut this off before my Sigma dudes start simping on her or worse, end up being some of her first subscribers to a real OnlyFans, uh, which would force me to change my name and move to Puerto Rico? Thanks, Michael. Love the show. Whoever is behind this Nick character, which I'm beginning to think, Nick, I don't, I don't know if I buy your whole backstory, but who, Nick has popped up every now and again. Whoever is behind the character might be the greatest actor and thespian of our generation. I said the other day that Dylan Mulvaney is the greatest actor of our generation because he's really taken on the character of, of a girl. Whoever, whoever is, I have to say with Nick, I, first I didn't know, is this a real person? I don't know, maybe it is a real, but who, I, it's a good question. You raise a good question. At what point does Instagram become OnlyFans light? The moment you download the app. <laughs> that is when it becomes OnlyFans light, okay? The whole point of Instagram is just to put enticing pictures in front of your eyes and have you just doom scroll forever, uh, just probably drooling. I'm, it doesn't even have to be bikini shots. It could be, it, it, when, when it comes to my Instagram, do you know what is mostly on my Instagram? I've got my friends and things like that, you know, catch up. Oh, look at so-and-so's little baby. But in terms of what the algorithm is serving to me so that I will continue to watch it because I'm so attracted to these pictures, is big bowls of Italian food. <laughs> my Instagram feed is largely hoagies, bowls of pasta, things that, that really do entice me. And then I sit there and I doom scroll forever. It is a kind of pornography in that this is content. It might not be what the Penn State professor want, wants to consider as pornography and get everybody to watch, but it's a kind of pornography in that when, when I'm going through my feed and I just see different bowls of Italian food, I am, it's not edifying me. I'm, I'm not growing in wisdom by looking at this. It's simply satisfying my appetite in a virtual way. It's, it's not even satisfying my appetite in a real way. It's not, not satisfying my body. Just as porn doesn't satisfy your appetite and your lusts in a, in a real way. It does so in a, in a virtual way. And, and so I, I would strongly recommend, if you can use Instagram in a way that you feel is virtuous and conducive to flourishing, do it. I have rarely seen that happen. And so I would sit your sister down and, and explain your concerns about your uh, Chad-level king bros and how you fear they will simp for her. Next question. Hey, Michael. I have a question about your views on the Broadway show Hamilton. Long story short, I just want to let you know that I find it kind of insulting to minorities. Broadway, which is usually a, a white-dominated culture, granted, right? A lot of white people go to see Broadway shows. We had to make sure that minorities felt so good about themselves that we had to put a show out there that specifically only will hire minorities for specific lead roles, even though that they represent white people of the past. And we did all of this to say that we recognize that if we had the same kind of acceptance of minorities back then as we do now, 
that yes, we could have had a black guy as George Washington, Alexander Hamilton could have been Hispanic, etc. I mean, if I was a minority race and I went to see Hamilton, I just want to see the honest story of Hamilton. I don't want to be pandered to. That would be my thought. I'm just curious if you feel the same way, and I'm curious any other additional thoughts about that Broadway show that you have. Thanks. You know, I made a similar point, actually, on the show yesterday, which was the actor Kumal Nanjiani was complaining about how he doesn't get to play a villain because Hollywood won't cast non-white people as villains. So what, what Hollywood says, what the liberal culture says is the bad guys have to be white. White people bad, non-white people good. And so you might say, well, that's flattering to non-white people. But it's not because it's denying the full humanity of non-white people. Because we know that mankind has fallen. We know that people are imperfect. And so if you say non-white people can't be the villain, then you're saying that non-white people are just the passive victims of the real human beings who are the white people. The only people with agency are the white people, according to this view. And the non-white people don't have it. So that, that is offensive, though that was not the point of Hamilton. The point of Hamilton and its decision to cast all non-white people in these roles was, one, to give non-white people more roles, two, to sideline white people and to, to sort of subtly disparage white people, I think, which is throughout the popular culture. And three, the, the charitable view of why Hamilton did that is that it was partaking of a liberal concept called colorblind casting. Hamilton wasn't really colorblind casting in that it wasn't, hey, the best guy gets the job. Hamilton said, hey, all the, all the actual historical white people are going to be played by blacks and Hispanics, except for the villain of the story, King George. He's the only one who gets to be white. Actually proves Kumal Nanjiani's point. But the, the concept of colorblind casting, which is the kind of facade in front of that show, uh, was a liberal concept that says that any, any person of any race can play any part because these plays are talking to the human condition, except it only ever seems to cut one way. So yes, it's, it, it, a black actor can play Macbeth because they say, well, Macbeth is just about the human condition, but white people are never allowed to play black characters. And not all people on the left support colorblind casting. August Wilson, who's probably the most important black playwright of the last century, he's the one behind Fences, which was turned into a movie with Denzel Washington a few years ago. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Two Trains Run, and lots of plays, Century Cycle. Uh, August Wilson said, I hate colorblind casting. Let the white people play the white parts and let the black people play the black parts. He, which is a legitimate view. He's saying that in order for the theater to convey the truth of the play, you can't have white people playing blacks and blacks playing whites. That, that's a view. Uh, but it, it's not the view of the liberals. It, it's, it's a little bit where you can kind of see the horseshoe theory coming around. There, there are going to be people on the right and people on the left who hold that view. But the mainstream liberal view for now is at least some form of colorblind casting. Next question. Hi, Michael. This is Annie in Pennsylvania. Um, I just wanted to let you know that your ukulele videos inspired me to buy a ukulele and to learn to play. I do not know any instruments. Um, and I have just mastered my first few chords, um, and playing You Are My Sunshine. Just wondering if you have any tips mm. or tricks on learning and what your favorite beginner song is for me to learn. Thanks. 
I'm so pleased to hear that. I'm glad that I can evangelize the ukulele. It is my favorite instrument that I play, in part because you can just pick it up and play it anywhere. You don't need to sit down. You don't need to open up the piano or take out the, even the big guitar and sit on a spot. You, you can have the ukulele anywhere. When I'm walking around my house, chasing my son around, doing whatever, I just have the ukulele, and you can kind of mindlessly play it. Four strings, very simple to learn how to play. If you already play guitar, it's like the top four strings on a guitar, except that the the uh, G string, which is f- fulfilling the role of the D string on the guitar, is an octave up. It's, it's tuned to different notes, but the the uh, chord patterns will will be the same as on a guitar. Uh, so you can do that if you're if you're familiar with that. Um, but I don't know, just mess around with it. That's all I would recommend that you do. I love "You Are My Sunshine." It's a great great song. And now when I play songs on ukulele, when I was a kid, I would I would look it up on. Well, we didn't really have. YouTube tutorials then, back in the old days, back when I was a kid. So you'd look up tabulature, or you'd look up different kind of notes to figure out how to play it. Uh, but now I just just pluck it out. It's more of the, 90% of the fun of the ukulele is just kind of plucking plucking out the song. So You're On My Sunshine, great place to start. A written mailbag from Anne. Hello, Michael. I'm a daily watcher of your show, and I love it. Thank you, Anne. Appreciate that. My sister and I are both nursing mothers and are invited to our friend's wedding. We mentioned that our friend, to our friend, that we will need to bring our babies due to nursing, and he acted like it would not be a problem, but said he'd double check with the bride. Here we go. Here we go. Said he'd double check with the bride. We just found out that she does not want our babies there because she doesn't want them to be a distraction, and it's not the atmosphere they're going for. My sister said we'd sit in the back and step out if the babies became too loud, but the bride is standing by her answer. This hurt my sister and I pretty deeply. Our friend is like a brother, and we hate to miss his wedding, but our babies come first. Do you think it's okay for a bride to say, a nursing mother cannot bring her infant baby to the wedding. Thanks for your time. Lesliak. Oh, no. Lesliak is the next question that in the teleprompter was uh, right up there with the older. Okay. So this is from Anne. Uh, Thanks for your time. Okay. I hate to sound like a big lib here, but I think the bride has the right to say no kids. I know it's not traditional. I know it's not conservative. I know it's not promoting family values in a certain way to say we don't want kids at our wedding. But I, I understand it. Depending on the venue, depending on the hour of the night, depending on the dress, uh, if it's black tie and ball gowns, it's probably a little weird to have a baby there, even if the baby has to nurse. And so I get it. I'm not saying I defend it, and I'm not saying I defend the husband, the, the fiancé here, just rolling over to his soon-to-be bride. Uh, that, that's a, a separate problem, probably. But but if they make that decision, I think that decision is totally up to them. And so what can you do? Well, you and your, your sister could have a babysitter, you know, either a family member or although maybe the family member is going to the wedding or a babysitter come and watch both of the kids and just give bottles to the kids, you know, get enough milk ready that you can feed the kids for a couple of hours or sit, or sit out the wedding in this very short period of life where the babies are nursing a lot and are, are really young. Uh, that's that's what happens. Kids inconvenience our lives all the time. That is part of being a parent. And uh, you might you might have other problems with this bride if she's throwing her weight around and telling her soon-to-be husband that he can't have his friends at the wedding or whatever. I mean, that, that's a separate issue. But in terms of can a can a couple say no kids? They can, and in, and in some but not all cases, they're perfectly right to do so. 
The rest of the show continues now. I want to get to a little bit more from, from the mailbag. And then, of course, it is Fake Headline Friday. This is where I need your help. You, not you hoi polloi that are watching on whatever public platform is. I'm talking about you, the creme de la creme, the inner circle, the all-access members, the Michael Knowles Show members segment, real VIPs. I need your help to help me discern which is the fake headline and which are the four real headlines. Mr. Davies is really trying to confound me. So become a member today. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S at checkout for two months free on a all-access plan. Any Daily Wire plan you want. DailyWire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. 